every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time time. for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts. Chris Schubert's here floating around producing this thing. We're from the Draft Network, and we are brought to you by BetOnline, your number one spot for all your sports wagering information. They've got everything you can imagine over there. Uh, In-game betting, contest giveaways all season long. Check them out. They have every single sport available, and we got a deal for you. Sign up today. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. To receive those rewards, it's bet online. It's where the game starts. Kyle, happy Groundhog Day to you. Groundhog Day. Joe doing what's better than this. Guys being dudes. Not sure he's going to get through the intro of the show. I'm sure people are probably wondering, listening, wow, guys, what's going on? Where are you at? What are you doing? Well, we're at the Outsider in Mobile, Alabama, and we are talking about the Senior Bowl. Practices. We have two days of practices in the books. We are here. We've put out an open invitation for anybody who's in Mobile to come in. I'm not going to promise that we don't have somebody that rolls in here that we say hello to. But I will tell you this. I just ordered us 50 wings, guys. 50? 50? From that's Chicken how, District. That's how many wings are sitting here in front of me? Well, there's, well, there's, there's waffle those, fries those and old. celery sticks. Wow. So uh, get, get those, sriracha bourbon. Yeah, well, get those away from me. Oh, sriracha those, bourbon. Get those uh, celery garlic sticks parmesan. Hot. We have mild over there. Oh, my God. There's another tray. Yes. <laughs> I was like, so, I don't think that's 50. So we were just sitting down to start recording, and they literally bought them all out. I was expecting to have to go up and get them, in which case I was going to disappear as soon as you started the intro, mm. but they brought them out to us. Wow. So surprise, I got 50 wings, and anybody who comes to listen to the show, we're going to make them take a wing. Wow. So which we'll means, see what happens. Which means, we have to, which means we have to leave some. We cannot well, yeah, eat all 50 that, that was the big caveat there is that we, we won't be eating these 50 wings. Um I, I don't think we're going to knock 50 out by ourselves anyway. I, if we wanted to, I think we it's could. possible. Yeah, the three of us could definitely handle that. Groundhog Day is one of the best holidays out there. One of the best. Why? I've I've always dreamed of going to Puxatawney uh, to see Puxatawney Phil, the, pro- the prognosticator of prognosticators. I mean, this guy is responsible for picking when it's going to be uh, spring. You know what I mean? We, we, if you think about it, Puxatawney Phil is probably the greatest scout of all time. <laughs> There's no question about it. He's never missed. The what? guy has never missed. I think he has though. No, I think I think it's up we, to him. No, that's not how it works. No, though. it is up no, to no, him. It's, no, no, no. There's warm days and there's cold days. I don't want to hear that. Sometimes he says it's an early spring or a long winter. The guy decides. We've put the seasons in the hands of a rodent named Puxatawney Phil. He's a legend, and one day I'm going to go there. Garlic and see parmesan this ceremony kicks. Oh, the, par- time, par- par- the garlic parmesan's very good. Yes. Oh, it's waffle fries. I gotta tell you, the the wings themselves they're a little messy, and I'm a little worried a little bit here about Chris a, getting being anal about. Well, there's a lot of equipment. Technology, there's, no My way laptop is. is here recording the show. I've got the mixer, the speakers nearby, my phone. Right, there's let, a lot of wires. There's a lot of cables. I'm just a little concerned. Listen, let's talk about the Senior Bowl, which okay. is what we're here to do. 
Okay. I had a good two time days of practice the in the books. Two days of practice. Um, what's the biggest storyline for you through the first two days? The biggest storyline for me, there's been a lot of good football players here. There's been some that have really struggled. The biggest storyline for me is that there just has not been a level of dominance from any one single player yet to this point. I disagree. Oh, There is one listen, player. There's been some good players, but there hasn't been a Debo Samuel. There hasn't been a Jer- Jermaine Johnson. Let me hear Let me hear Chris out. Yeah, all right. I want to hear. I want to know who your guy is. It's, this is going to be shocking because I'm going to give Joe an offensive lineman who I think fits this bill. You know what? You're, you're right about this. It's John Michael, John Michael Schmitz. Schmitz. He yeah. is winning the senior bowl right now. This dude is physical. He's dominant. He's competitive. He's coaching up his teammates during drills. Every rep I look up, he's throwing defenders to the ground. He does not care. He's physical. He's consistent. Every rep, he's, he's doing just yeah. fantastic stuff. He right now is making himself a lot of money with the way that he's played the first two days because when you watch him compared to the rest of that group, which, by the way, it's got some players who we've got mocked in the first round. He is standing out amongst that group. Yeah, you know what? He's been awesome. He's been absolutely awesome. Um, and he played some guard today. Obviously, a, a long time. It's a big win for him. Yeah, yeah, and he looked good doing it. And it was never really a question, right? Normally, when you say a center can't play guard, it's because they're small. And that ain't the case with John Michael Schmitz. He's got plenty of size. Really, no concerns about him playing either of the interior spots. Well, but, Chris, I think you made a great observation there about his practice habits. Like, he's a leader out there. And he, during the team drills, when he's on the field like he is running to the football every single play you can tell that this guy has taken ownership in this offense he's taken ownership in being a leader out there and he has absolutely stood out so you know what maybe there's not a long list of guys that have dominated but if there is a guy that deserves to be mentioned as somebody that's dominated john michael schmitz center minnesota golden gophers i I think that golden gophers on on groundhog day wow Look what we've just done. And you weren't going to do it. Three minutes ago, you weren't going to let me have that moment. Imagine that. So, I think the thing with Schmitz is this. Minnesota played a lot of zone, right? The zone rushing concepts offensively. And RPOs to death. Yes. I mean, it's an insufferable NFL evaluation offense. Right. At least from a passing game perspective. And Tanner Morgan and the wide receivers and... Uh, Span Ford, who went back to Minnesota for another year. But for, for Michael Schmitz is a big center who has experience playing in zone concepts. Lord have mercy. It, Joe if you didn't dropped. just see, and nobody did, except for Chris and no, I. Hold on, hold on, Joe. Don't, don't move. Don't move, because I'm going to take a picture of it. Oh, we're going to immortalize this moment where Joe just made an absolute mess. It's a, very, it, it's a very small piece of chicken. I will put it into the Discord nah, tomorrow. Don't, don't marginalize this. I mean, you that made is, a mess. That but is small. You were no, the person. No, you, va- you validated Chris's concerns about eating around technology for the rest of right, time. Because guess what? The cord is the not cord like, is, The cord has now been soiled. And the cord has like a circular hole in it of places that you could miss dropping the chicken. <laughs> you dropped the chicken right on the very thin piece of wire that is Two holding the Two centimeters north, south, east, or west, it doesn't hit. Right, but that's and Joe that, nailed it. That specific spot he nailed, and clearly you're not gonna you're not gonna clean up after yourself, or now you're gonna leave. Well, just did eat you get eat the, it. Picture? the picture? I want to eat, it. Yes. The eat it. Eat it. I'm not eating off the court. No, come or the on. no Kyle. Oh, Kyle. Kyle's eating off the ground in a, in a, um, in a, in a bar. The okay. thing about John Michael Folks, Schmitz. This show's just gonna be off the rails. You're just gonna have to just. The thing bear about with us. John you're Michael, the one that's gonna have to bear with us, Chris. The, the, the thing about John Michael Schmitz playing in a zone-heavy rushing offense, but being the stature that he is, is he offers something for every team. 
Now you you add guard center versatility onto that. Like in a class in which I think there's a lot of scheme specific type of talents, having one player like this who I think is a transcendent type of player really separates him from the pack. So I don't necessarily Michael Schmitz has been outstanding. But I I wouldn't put his performance on the same tier or stratosphere of the Jermaine Johnsons or Debo Samuels of years past. But when you look at that and you pair that with the state of this interior offensive line class, I think that's what really moves the needle and gives Michael Schmitz that level of separation versus the rest of the guys. So I... I Sriracha bourbon smacks, by you know, the way. Is that good. what that is? No, the hot's good, too. Yeah, this is good. Um, Which is the one that you dropped on the... The hot. I've only okay, had the hot. The hot. Um, so you frame the question as, like, our biggest takeaway... I feel like I'm the only one that answered. You you are. And yeah. then I and then I and then you dropped chicken. I got on the corrected court. by Chris, rightfully so. So Kyle, as you finish this bite of honey sriracha, sriracha bourbon, so come on, whatever, sriracha bourbon. What's your big prevailing thought? I think my biggest takeaway, man, I feel like there's a lot of affirmation. For us personally, from brand for brand players. You think about Joe, you pounded the table for Julius Prince. You talked about the performance in the Big 12 championship game. You think about the skepticism that we had with Andre Carter from Army in the summertime, going back to the summertime when this was a popular first round projection. You think about Tyson Bajan. What the what you saw when you watched the film on him a couple weeks ago and the excitement that you had. Puka Nakua for me. Like, surely there's Tajay Spears. Oh. Like, we've had a lot of brand hits. And that, for me, is the big takeaway because those are the, those are the opinions that we hold closest to us because we kind of went out on a limb with some of those opinions. And those guys showing out in this environment is what the biggest story is to me for at least for us personally not necessarily from an nfl draft macro landscape did you want to refute that and and like you did mine no because i agreed with everything <laughs> he said there oh, bing bong it was it was a pretty good week for the brand guys so far through two days of practice i think a lot of the brand guys that we all have kind of shined through um and i think you, you saw them stack at least at this point two days back to back together they've got one more day of practice later today and then they obviously have the game on Saturday that they need to complete the week. The week doesn't just end after two days of practice, and it certainly doesn't end after Thursday's practice. There's a full week here to go through. And remember, there's all the stuff behind the scenes, the interviews, all of the team meetings, all of that stuff creates a, a big picture. But the uh, the thing why I brought up John Michael Schmidt so strongly is when you are able to see these guys in person, you get to see those habits. You get to see the way they communicate with their teammates, with their coaches, with, with everybody involved. And guess what? That can give you a big picture into the person. And guess what? That's a big part of this puzzle. And so we're getting some of those answers here early on, and so that is a big takeaway for me. You know, uh, uh, speaking of what you were going down there with Kyle, with uh, yes. affirmation, one of the guys that you were pounding the table for coming into the event, so like my Julius Brents that you became super high on, that is now Sidney Brown. No, you can't do this. No, no. You know, can. you can't do this. <laughs> Don't don't do this. There's no, no, there's no room. He's not letting you in. Sydney, I, will, I will make Sydney Brown fight you because I'm no, not going to fight I'm you. I'm not messing Sydney with Sydney Brown. Right. That's what I mean. I'm Sydney, Sydney Brown. Brown's abs have abs. Okay, uh, what a what a player, right? I mean, he he's been unbelievable. You want to talk about practice habits? He's been very very competitive. 
uh, energy throughout the week, but it's it's the coverage ability that's really popped for me. Just how confident he is, how cool, calm, and collected. Just a, a great ability to read, react, drive on routes, carry when necessary. I mean, he's been really, really impressive. And I think in an NFL that's obviously a, a, defenses are played in sub, this guy's going to be on the I've field. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Well, really? The, the, Really, really impressive start to the week for Sidney Brown. I will throw a position group out that I got a chance to watch during Wednesday's practice that I think is shining, right? There's apparently Coleslaw uh, that I didn't know existed. I won't be having any of that either. Um, you can put that with the other green stuff, the celery over there, that I will not I'll be having. Don't make me chew celery into the microphone. So when, when we think about the linebacker position in this year's draft class, right? The true linebackers, not those edges that are going to line up in a, in a linebacker stance. When we talk about the true linebackers, right? We think of Trenton Simpson. We think of Henry Toa Toa in terms of first-round guys, right? Drew Sanders. Maybe, yeah. Right, okay, those are the three names, right? Well, none of those guys are here. And so here's an opportunity for another group of none of those guys to come in and step up. And I think a couple of them have. I thought Ivan Pace Jr. out of Cincinnati – Funny me men- yeah. mentioning a mid-major guy. Uh, I thought he flashed during Wednesday's practice. Um, Dayon Henley out of Washington State. I, I thought you saw some good reps from him. I thought the entire, this was the first practice. So the national team linebacking core, I thought all played really well during Wednesday's practice. I thought they really flashed. That's consistent with what they did on Tuesday, too. Because that group, overshown. Yeah, Overshone was good. I mean, he's physical, dude. Yeah, he just gets for, up in for there. A, and for a long guy whose build you wouldn't necessarily affiliate with being a really physical player, he's more physical than what you would expect. Yeah. And then you have Cam Jones from Indiana, who I thought played well. Henley is really explosive, and it shows. So, Chris, I, I think it's another great observation by you as, as the the new draft dude right. on the half, the, the half a dude, half a dude, not the scouting guy. That's not the role I play on the show. I wasn't going to put you in that bucket, but you you did it to yourself, so go. Okay. Um, I think the offensive line as a whole has really popped in a lot of different ways. We we talked about John Michael Schmitz, as we should have, but I think even Cody Mock, the North Dakota State, you know, I think he's he's had some ups and downs, but I think mostly up, and and obviously a big test for him. Convince me he can't play all five spots. On the well, line. I can't because he's played center guard and tackle here. So he's already answered that for us, uh, at least the willingness to do it. And maybe his best position could be center, right? Could, could be guard. I don't think he's going to play tackle, like get you out of a game type tackle in the NFL. But as, a, as an interior guy that I think could play all three spots, I thought, thought he's had a really good week. It, it, was, he, it was the theme of Tuesday. The O-line kicked the D-line's ass, right? That was the theme of Tuesday. And to be honest with you, it kind of continued on Wednesday as well. I, it was I, the, more. It was more even. The D line played better, but I still think I'd give the edge to the O linemen, at least the ones that I watched in the American practice. Um, so, but, at what point does the narrative shift? Because we always talk about, oh, the All Star events—they're so skewed towards the defensive guys. The last couple of years, the big standouts have been the offensive players. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I mean, I think the O linemen have played really well here over two days. I think. Man, the wide receiver DB battle that we've seen for two straight days in the American practice might be the most fun positional battle to watch throughout these during the Senior Bowl. Those DBs, that group of DBs against this group of wide receivers that that present you all sorts of different problems because you got different types of receivers that can go through all three spots on the field. 
that's been a lot of fun for me. You know, one of those corners that stood out is Kyle Blue Kelly. Out of Holy cow! The, we day, talk, the day he had on. Can Wednesday? we talk about the the pick six that he had that had the whole defense sprint down to yeah. the end zone and celebrate with him? Holy! It was smokes. unbelievable. Big big moment in practice. Uh, the ball skills, but I mean, what, what's interesting about Caillou Blue Kelly is as this corner class has emerged and so many names have come to kind of the top of the class. Caillou Blue Kelly just has went out there and been really consistent for multiple seasons, and he has a nice man coverage skill set. Uh, he's physical. And the ball skills, they're, they're there as well. So, you just can't forget about him, right? I mean, he's 15, 20 good corners this year, and he's right there with all of them. Did either of you get a good look at the corners from the American practice on Wednesday? Yeah, reasonably well. Okay. I have two names that I want to ask you about, because I thought these guys had good Tuesdays. Was looking at the old linemen in that group, why I had such high praise for John Michael Schmitz. Did, did Julius Brents build off of a fantastic Tuesday in which he was the buzz of the day? He played well again on Wednesday. Okay, so then we're... Good catch, Joe. Just drop, just drop, drop. I mean, drop, the, drop, drop. Joe, the, you got to be kidding chicken, me, man. chicken wing bone now onto his microphone. <laughs> I caught it. You he did, did catch he it, did but catch. We, we avoided disaster a little bit there. Oh lord! Did you, the other, player, the other you have to lick it? The other to lick the sauce off that. Yeah, off my hand. The other player that I'd like to talk about: South Carolina corner Darius Rush. I thought he really popped to me as a player that coming into the week I didn't know a whole lot about, but when I got to see him on Tuesday, I thought he really popped for me personally. Did he stack another good day? Uh, together I thought on he was Wednesday. better on Wednesday than he was on Tuesday. Now, That's great to hear I, th- that. I thought he was up and down on Tuesday. But I thought he, he finished Tuesday really well. He popped. He still popped. So when I think about the corners, the one for me was Tyreek Stevenson. He had two good days, right? Who popped on Tuesday, but like Darius Rush, I thought he was more consistent on Wednesday. And Tyreek... His last play of the practice was an opportunity down the field in a two-minute situation where he pinned to the sideline and squeezed and broke up the pass uh, in a big moment and looked like he had a cramp. I think that's what he had. Chris, do you see anything over there with the other set of 20 wings that interests you? Well, there's, there's I think, wild and hot honey over there. We Sir, it's see. mild. Oh, that's an M, not a W. Okay. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> it was wild. I was like, that's wild. It's <laughs> great. The, the, the W is the, is the upside down M. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Draft the, dudes the do, uh, do uh, English. Do alphabets. <laughs> yeah. We do, yeah, we do, the, we do the alphabet. Great. We did, a, we did a great job there. We got through that. Um, sorry, did I mean to interrupt what you guys were talking about with the wings? We were here? just continuing to talk about Tyreek Stevenson, the corner from Miami who I thought was one of my big winners from the Wednesday practice. A lot of speed there to go with the size. Johnson, the corner from Virginia. Anthony Anthony Johnson. Anthony Johnson, he looked good on Wednesday. I got a couple of uh, glimpses of him when they were were doing the two-minute drill down at the last end of practice. I thought he looked really good in that portion as well. Almost all these corners are physical guys. They they want to compete, man. They just want to get up against you, and they like, let's go, let's battle. Anthony Johnson does have one major red flag. It's that he's wearing number 41. At an all-star event. Yeah, and, an all, and I'm looking at the roster. Give him a little, give him a little grace We got here. some numbers here in the 20s. We got numbers here in the 30s. So he's out that, there that wearing 41. Available? Yeah, he's wearing 41. I mean, I mean, I, let's be fair to the young man. It's okay. He's wearing Tom Seaver's number, Joe. Well, Tom, he, he didn't didn't play corner. I'm just trying to give you a connection yeah. that maybe you could, that you could work with. Man, the, the, I will say the, the, the DBs in that group, they have a tough ask. Tank Dell, Rasheed Rice. Andre, I, I've heard Yosevich. I've heard like five different pronunciations of his name this week, and I want to potentially get it right at some point. 
Um, he's been playing. I mean, you got some those three receivers just on their own. Xavier Hutchinson is in that group as well. Um, Wicks, Mingo. I mean, that's a tough group of wide receivers to be going up against, and I think they're handling their own. I thought both of the the uh, Stanford receivers had some really good moments uh, in the Wednesday practice. Um, Michael Wilson, Elijah Higgins. Wilson checked in good with the GPS timing, too. Yeah. He was like 19 and three-quarters miles per hour. There's He had a, a second gear that I didn't expect because he's a, a bigger, like a, a pretty big wide receiver. Uh, six. All right, here's his numbers. Oh, that's Caillou Blue Kelly. I, what number is he wearing? This is a numerical roster. Here we go. Giraffe dudes do math here. Six, and, and, six uh, almost 6'2", 216 pounds. And he had that second gear to pull away on some of those vertical routes. He's physical. Thought he got in and out of breaks pretty well as well. So those those Stanford rec- receivers really pop for me. And Higgins probably is is going to be one of those big slots, maybe a, a move tight end. Yeah, I think he's an F, to yeah, be honest with you. Just, just his body type profiles that that looks like a tight end in, in my mind but I think he could be really successful there with time patience and development can I give a quick shout out to not not the players I've loved the coaching staffs man these these coaches are coaching up these players they're being extremely engaging if you you know you can hear them from wherever you are watching practice, you can hear them engaging. You can hear the feedback that they're giving these players. They're taking the most of the opportunity as well, and that's infectious. Can I shout out Mike Tomlin? All right, Mike Tomlin <laughs> out there coaching up players as well. Tomlin does not have an assignment here. Nope. <laughs> He's not on the coaching nope, staff. does not need to be here. But my guy is out there on the field. Who's going to tell him to get off? I mean, let's be right. honest. Yeah, nobody. He, Nobody's telling that guy. He's talking the guys through the drills. He's being hands-on with the offensive linemen. He's being hands-on with the edge guys. If you want to understand why the Pittsburgh Steelers under Mike Tomlin have never had a losing record, watching him at practice these last two days when he does not need to be here, right? He, he can just be there and watch. He is being engaging. He's helping these young players, and he is coaching them up. That explains why the players buy in and believe in him as a head coach and the culture that he's building there with the Steelers, and he has built with the Steelers, and it's why they're so successful. Yeah, he's been impressive. He's been impressive. I've enjoyed – He's got a bunch of little tidbits and factoids yeah, picked, he's I've, dropping I've, on. I've followed him around a little bit trying to pick up on some of those yep. myself. So I'm glad it's not just me. Yeah, Mike, Mike probably gets sick and tired of turning around and seeing me yeah, within well, earshot you know, 10 feet away from can, him. But. Can we have a Jalen Duncan conversation? I'd love to have a Jalen Duncan conversation. Let's uh, let's do it. I thought he, the tackle I, from Maryland? The tackle from Maryland. I thought he had a really good Tuesday. I watched him up close and personal on Tuesday. I thought he looked the part. I thought, yeah. I thought he moved really well. Didn't get a really close look on Wednesday. But I, I think heard, he got, I think he got beat inside one time. But I heard good things. Heard mostly good yeah, things. And yeah, and he, he played he some right tackle on on Wednesday, which I thought was um, good for him to to show that versatility. So, I think the thing for Jalen, having consistency and and he's an athletic build, right? Like you see him versus the, you think about the traditional body distribution in the waist down. It's not – he doesn't really check that box. He's more of that, like, almost like the tight end build that's just supersized to play offensive tackle. And I, I think he's handled the functional strength opportunities really well, but it, it just has to be consistent. But the fact that he's had two good days I think is really helpful. Yeah, I do too. Um, he, he's 
there's some good pass rushers, too, that he's been tasked with. And I thought he's done a really good job of using that athleticism to frame and be able to kind of just push guys wide and not get in situations where he felt like he had to chase. And I've appreciated that about him. And, and I thought his hands were a little bit more engaged uh, this week so far in practice than some of the, the moments at, at Maryland that have us concerned. Maybe it's the wings. Maybe it's the fact that we've sidebarred a couple of times here. But we are 24-plus minutes into this show. And my good friend, Kyle J. Krabs, has not, has not talked about the quarterback from Shepherd University. Bajan Zero. Who we are now calling Bajan Zero. Bajan Zero. We have not talked about him yet in depth because he has been the quarterback that has popped. And I yeah. think that was probably the expectation, but he has popped in a really big way. He had probably the three best throws from practice yeah, for he did. either team. Yeah, no, he's had the three best. He had the three best throws of the week today. Yeah. So far, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He dropped one in between three defenders in the two-minute drill when they were trying to and rush not a bad the decision. Field. Let's be like, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. It was the per- and he put it's the a window throw. Yeah. It was a window in throw. The perfect spot in between three defenders to move his team up the field and put themselves in a position to have a shot at the end zone there at the end of the two-minute drill. I will continue to say this, and I saw. I'm sorry that I sound like a broken record, but. This dude's command of the field when he is out there is the most noticeable thing when you watch him play. Well, and we asked him about that. Jamie Eisner asked him, the first thing that stood out to us was your cadence. Talk to us about your, your demeanor at the line of scrimmage. And he talked a lot about a lot of new variables. Nobody knows each other. You got to get stuff on the same page. Somebody's got to do it, and it's going to be me as the quarterback. So I got to have that command and that demeanor so that everybody who's lining up falls into place. And I thought that was a really mature answer, but also for a a guy who played at Shepard to come into this environment and have that mentality speaks volumes. Yeah, I enjoyed his podium session, like you mentioned there. Um, you guys had a pretty good exchange about the back shoulder throw. And, and he threw one today. Yeah, and what's funny is what his answer was more like, hey, the back shoulder's more of like in the moment thing. You don't really prepare for it. And then, I don't he know, dro- man. He dropped one to the field. Yeah. I, I which felt- is the throw that it, it was like his FU throw on tape. He threw it like three times a yeah. game. And that's tough to do with receivers that you've never thrown with, right? Like, I mean, a very small amount of time together. Right. Um, yeah, he's impressive, and, and you know we've we're aware that we don't have a first round quarterback here, but we have big names in the landscape of college football. The guy who played in the national championship right. game, right? Max Heisman finalist. Yeah, we we got some guys out here, and Tyson Badgen said, "Yeah, I don't care. You know, I'll go out here. I know Clayton Tunes throwing for twenty thousand yards. I know Max Dugan was a Heisman finalist. Jake Hayner, everybody thinks he's a cerebral guy. He's like, no, nah, I'm just going to go out here and do my thing. I'm going to go play my game. I'm going to take the, command. And be the best quarterback here. Okay. So, Not close. Yeah. No. So let's do the thing. Oh, we're going to do the thing. Best quarterback here. Rank the quarterbacks through two days, one through six. All right, Tyson. Tyson, Bajan Zero is number one. Bajan Zero is number, number one, one on the list. I guess Hayner's two. So, Hayner would be my number two Hainer as well. two. I would put Jaron Hall three. <laughs> I want him to get there with you. I don't know who else to put. Tune, I don't know. Some of these guys, man. I, you know, I have one day of practice for Malik Cunningham, so I'm going to put him towards the, the back part of the list. I'd say Tune, Hall, 
Cunningham. Is that five? That would be Draft five, and then, and then Duggan would be six, and you would have gotten your list done. Duggan, six. I, I, I co-sign on that. Great. Well, we did the thing. Yeah. Which quick, anytime we, did we can do the thing, quick. it's, it's yeah. a dump. How about Jaden Reed, wide receiver, man, Michigan State? Yeah, we, he's we, fun, man. Um, really impressive vertical skill set, man. He's got that ability to, like, run past people. You saw that. Um, but I also appreciated how he was able to kind of use that speed to push vertical and then work back down the stem or work out some horizontal cuts. I, I thought he's he's been among the best receivers here and um, maybe a guy that's a little bit underhyped right now. And so I'm excited to go back to his tape. I know Keith Sanchez has had some, some positive remarks about him, but uh, he's a guy that I've, I have circled as when I get out of here, who I'm you're, excited you're to go back and watch Jayden your Reed. tape. Yeah, Jaden Reed's high on that list um, for me. For me, the, the cherry on the top was watching him in the punt return drills and tracking the ball. That's the floor. Like, the, the floor is probably the Ifmir Smith Marset outcome is like the floor for Jaden Reed. And I think he has more potential as a receiver because he's got good ball skills and he's explosive. So. That's enough for me when I when I think about Jaden Reed and what he's done through the first two days of practice to really incite some excitement into his game. Special teams, route running, dynamic ability, it's all wins. How about Nesta Jade Silvera? Forks In- up, baby. Uh, you know what? If I would have remembered the forks up possibility here, I would have completely glossed them over. <laughs> no. Um, uh, transfer from the U. But he's a guy that I think uh, as Kyle an interior no, player. Kyle literally uh, has a fork up. Forks, I was he, wondering he what the bit up. was. I, it wasn't clicking right away. No, he's but got, he has a fork forks, for his coleslaw, yeah. and forks he's pointing, pointing it to the sky yeah. in a forks up manner. Yeah. Um, he's got some pop. He really does. He gets off the ball. There's some explosiveness to him. Got some rush ability. I thought he gave some of these interior offensive linemen some real challenges. And so maybe a guy that we didn't come in thinking he was really going to pop. I think he has. I think he's done well for himself this week. Can we? Can I switch positions? Of course. I would like to talk about... Pause. The, what? Pause. You're pausing me? You said, can I switch positions? And I said, pause. I'm just going to gloss right <laughs> over that and just continue <laughs> to move on. I thought maybe you ate... Like, Where's the rest of your chicken bone? Oh, it's underneath. Okay. That's, I've never seen anybody grip it mid-bone like that. That's. A, I'm trying to be delicate so I don't get crispy. You don't want to... Because I had dirty. a poor mechanical advantage. That's what... Uh, <laughs> Joe's, Joe's hand technique on his wing it was really pretty poor. Poor, <laughs> poor grip strength. Poor. I mean, there's a lot of flaws needed there. To, but needed to reset his no, hands. No, he I, didn't do it. I think you gripping, <laughs> gripping it higher on the bone <laughs> allowed you to not have the moment that I had. Correct. Right, he adjusted based off right. of the tape, right? I, I grinded the tape. Right. right. I can tell. Because like, that's not that. a normal way to eat a chicken wing. You're I've right. But here and now, it's the way that it needs to be done. Um, I would like to talk about a position group and why one person is running away with being the winner of this group. Can we talk about the running backs and Tajay Spears, please, and thank you? Dominant. Explosive. He's the best running back here. And he hit a 60-yard home run today. I think that was – was that courtesy of John Michael Schmitz? Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. He got the big screen catch yesterday, too, where he ripped off a big chunk. Didn't he get – he, 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 he caught a, one from Bajan Zero. He caught one from Bajan Zero today. Took it, it was a one-yard one yard swing say, pass, the of the pod. and he took it the distance up right. the sideline. He made a cut down. They were, in the, they were in one of the end zones, and they were doing run blocking with the O-line, D-line, and they had the running backs run. 
he made a cut. Everybody in that area, after he made the cut, everybody turned to each other and went, whoa. Like, it was one of those, like, everybody noticed the, the ability of this dude to just change direction on a dime. It was very, very impressive. You can see the home run speed. The quickness compared to all the other backs is palatable. You can see it immediately. Don't mean to toot my own horn, but I'm going to. This is a brand guy. Well, I picked I get another one of these? Tulane to beat Thank Oklahoma you. in the Cotton Bowl solely because I said, I don't think Oklahoma can tackle And by Ty Oklahoma, you mean USC, correct? You know what? Yes. You can see the confusion there. Alex Grinch, kind of the culprit of some bad Lincoln tackling. Lincoln wow. coaching the USC you know? Trojans. Not, not, not a great resume tackling. I said, I don't think, I don't think USC can tackle him. And then I, I don't know if it was Kyle or you. You said Caleb Williams is going to play. No, no, I was on your side with Tulane. Somebody said that to me, and I it said, was, "It was Kyle." I said, "I don't think I've I care." I literally never said that before. In my I life. said, "I don't think I care." No, somebody said that to me, and I said, "I don't think I care." Yeah, I didn't. Oh, say I that. know who it was, and I don't mean to throw him under the bus. It was our good friend Brentley Weisman. He was like, "Joe, Caleb Williams is playing," and you're like, "Yeah, but he's, t- he's also not going to tackle Ty J. Spears. <laughs> right? he, he's also not tackling Ty J. Spears. I can promise you that." Uh, unfortunate that we we don't get to see more of Roshan Johnson, right? With yeah. the, the injury to his hand, he had a nice day on Tuesday, and he did. And I would have loved to have seen him stacked those days together with the day on Wednesday. I thought um, Evan Hall from Northwestern. You know what? He had a nice day on Wednesday, too. He did look very good in pass protection, which for my friend Kyle J. Krabs, backs who block, he looked pretty good in that regard. There ain't a whole lot of backs who block going on out here. I'll tell you, it's rough. It's pretty lean this year, especially with the the standard that Damian Pierce set last year. There's still some With his pass pro pro what? Do you remember Kenneth Dixon? Yes. La Tech. How could (laughs) I forget? Like, that was one of the best pass pro performances I've ever seen at the Senior Bowl. That's going way back. But anyways, Damian Pierce, Kenneth Dixon, one day of Roshan. There's a, high, there's a high standard. And Roshan had a nice day. The thing that I, that I struggle with with Roshan is I don't think the ceiling as a runner is super high. But he's a super high character. I think Jim Nagy said he was a red star guy, didn't he? He either said he is or he could be. And for those who are wondering... Red Star players on the Senior Bowl board, according to Jim, and he talked about this on the, the press conference call that he did the week before the event, are like the plus-plus high-character guys within each program as advocated for by the members of the staff and the football department at that respective university. Roshan Johnson had, like, glowing reviews. So, yes, I, I know there's some untapped potential there because he – transition from, to, from playing quarterback to playing running back only recently. I, I have a big cramp in my calf right now. My whole calf is just rolled get, up in my get leg. Getting IV, getting IV for I, cramps. Yeah, I, I think the cramping's not just limited to the players, right? We're standing out there as well, right? It's I mean, very it's, bad. Oh, clutch. Um, thank you, Anna. Anna, thank you. Anna's Anna is our wonderful I, bet, I had about six of those hot wings, and I'm fired up right now, so thank you. No, those are hot. Hot honey lemon pepper. Hot honey lemon pepper. Maybe Thursday. Yeah, we'll maybe, t- maybe tomorrow when we're back here, Joe. That's <laughs> what we you. can do. Thank you. Um, I'm just – I don't know that the athletic profile for Roshan gives you really promising long-term dividends to being a high-volume player in the NFL, but I think you can be a, a, a glue guy and a dirty work kind of player for you, no questions asked. This is my favorite event of the year. I, I, I'm just going to keep saying it until uh, I'm blue in the face. This is the this is my favorite event. Happy hour cycle. at the Outsiders? No, no, no. I mean, we're having a great time here, right? And and we're talking football. But, like, 
just the ability to see these guys and interact with them in person, to see the way the coaching staffs work, to see the way they're coached up. You don't get to see this throughout the course of the college season. You only get to see what the TV or the All-22 angles give you, right? You don't yeah. get to see the behind the scenes. And so to me, being able to see how a practice gets run, to see the, the, what they're setting up at the beginning part of practice, to be a point of emphasis later on when they're in team, it's just it's a lot of fun. Let me let me let me tell you a, a little story. Sure. All about how my life got. <laughs> okay. Are you done? Yeah, you good there? You want to drop another wing on the floor here while, no. while you're at it? <laughs> do you want to smear some wing sauce on yeah. your face? Yeah. Why don't you eat another wing while Kyle's telling a story? So I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus here, but I am going to acknowledge something that I observed during the practice on Wednesday. And it was a defensive player who. They got set up to do a special teams drill on, for kickoff. And this defensive player is in the queue. I can say that, right? Everybody knows the queue, the line. Yes. Right? He's third or good. fourth in line in the queue to do this special teams drill. And he turns to the position coach that he's been working with and says, Coach, I have a question for you about doing X at this position defensively. And the coach looks at him and says, you can ask me during the next period because we're doing special teams and you should be thinking about special teams and not defense. And he turns around and he walks away. <laughs> and it's like little stuff like that about like that reinforcement as an NFL coach to your players on everything matters and attention to detail is so relevant. Like I just thought it was like this really cool encapsulation of like the mentality of focus and attention to detail that it requires and that was my little story about the Wednesday practice that you don't get watching the broadcast you get it by being here and experiencing it for yourself now Joe really wanted Chris yeah, to have the roster he either has a really important question or he is setting me up for a bit it's one of the well two. I, I want to see if you guys will indulge me on an idea and it requires you to hold the roster. Okay, that's why you. After I put it down, you're like, no, 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 take that back. You know, we it's like to frantic. do a little. We like to do a little word association, a little vibe association. Is my guy going to tell me to read players off the list, and we're going to do vibe? You association? you pick you pick players that you think could in, an elicit uh, a, 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 a you know an interesting response, and Kyle and I will uh, will do that for well, you. Well, the here. problem is I don't have Kyle because Kyle went and got the wild. Got the, did you get the wild wings? Woo, no, I got the hot honey. Hot oh. honey. The I did not get one, the I did not get the wild. The wings, wild wings are over there, which is not a flavor. <laughs> <laughs> you <Okay>. idiot. <laughs> okay. I have I have my first play, and I'll start. We'll go through the, the national team first because that was the first. Yeah, you don't, have to pick, don't pick every player. No. You know, a few. Uh, are you sure? Because I could probably get through, we could probably get through all these. Okay, no, never mind. Not, not today. Um, uh, let's start with KJ Henry, Clemson. Narrow. He's kind of like a tall, very like narrow build. That's the first thing that came to mind. I'm sorry. I don't agree with you. You don't think so? No. Ooh, hot honey. Chris, try one. I'll try a hot honey, but a dude's fight. Dude's fight. And he's got a nice inside spin move. He does have a nice inside spin move. I think he's built very well. Have you stood next to him? Yes, and I feel like he's tall and narrow. He's tall. He's not narrow like some other players, but there's like, yeah, you, I expect him to be wider. Okay, but if you put him on the lexicon of guys that are here and how narrow they are respectively. <laughs> that's, that's not, he's in the upper that's not a, this, the sample size ah, is not. I don't want to hear. He's in the upper half of edge guys. I thought there was, I thought he'd be wider. It wasn't a knock on him. 
That's the vibe. I thought he'd be wider. Pause. Keon White. <laughs> Loopy. He had some. He was playing. <laughs> he's Russian. <laughs> what? He's doing some rushes on on the uh, off the edge on the Tuesday practice, and he is getting just really, really up far the field up up the field before he kind of tries a flattening corner. I believe uh, the zebra tracking stats had him as the fastest D yeah, line, 19. Like 19 miles yeah. per hour. So that would have been my uh, vibe so, association. Keon, I think he benefits from tighter alignments. Yes. Because it becomes more about leverage and power. Right. And I'm watching him work with the other guys. He's on the national team, right? Chris? That is correct, yes. Yeah, the national team. That's the one thing I have not nailed down is national The national American. team always goes first. The American team goes second. So he's working with, like, Nick Hampton and Isaiah Foskey and K.J. Henry's on this roster. Is that correct? Yes. We, we just He was the player right before that we just talked about in Vibe Chris, Association. Chris, please. I know the hot honey's getting to you right, over there. Right, the, the hot honey. It, it uh, the aftertaste is a little hotter. <laughs> so I was, oh, great. I, I'm, I'm swimming in that in addition. And I've also with a calf cramp. adjusted my hand technique right. on another wing here. Uh, as I'm working through this, but Chris, what are you doing? <laughs> Continue your story. Okay. But you're watching, and the Kansas kid. Please, re- please remind me Lonnie his name. Lonnie Phelps. Lonnie Phelps. Is Junior. that correct? <laughs> oh, make sure you find the one Lonnie, thing. I- Lonnie Phelps Jr. And Lonnie, Lonnie's the raw guy of the group, and I think it's understandable. Coming from Kansas, I believe he he had a position change at some point. But watching Keon naturally bend, because he's the biggest guy of that group, but he leveraged and bent better. And when he got it right, when he, he didn't necessarily get stuff right the first time through the drill, but when he got it right, he got it right with ease. It looked incredibly easy. So that's the thing for me is it's natural talent. If I was going to do vibe association for Keon White, it would be natural talent. DJ Johnson. You're going to tell me this guy's small too? No, he's not small. Okay. <laughs> Powerful hands. That's Heavy good. hands. Heavy they, hands. They did, they did a drill where they had two sets of the heavy bags and then they had three bags in between the two sets of heavy bags, and they had to uh, club right, club left, side shuffle, club right, club left, and rip and swim and lean and finish and bend back and come back in pursuit of the quarterback. And this was the drill that Tomlin was hands-on with with this group. So, DJ Johnson, heavy hands. I'm with you on that. Andre Carter. Struggled. I'm eating my wing. Please continue. <laughs> I mean, the guy has, um, has has really underwhelmed. The lack of power has really shown up. Uh, he's not been able to maximize his length. Um, I think I think offensive linemen have really uh, done well to keep him at bay. Cody March buried him. Yeah, he did. Um, my vibe association there is probably. Oh, you're right. The hot honey man. It, I told you. It gets you afterwards. I mean, you, it's, you've it's been. the after effect. He's been done with the wing for a minute, I'm pretty sure. Expectations minus reality equals disappointment. 
That's my vibe. Yeah, that's good for for Carter because I remember watching him in the summer, and you were you guys were both there for the presentation. I'm like, I'm gonna be honest. I don't get this one. I've been wrong plenty, and I've been wrong on players coming into this event. I was wrong on Chase Brown's build. Chase Brown came in at five oh nine five two hundred fifteen pounds, and I came into the the week telling you that he's he's built like Raheem Mostert. Yeah, five oh nine four two fifteen for Chase Brown. <laughs> that, I mean that that's. That's crazy good way in. The, yeah. the Brown twins certainly uh, appear they know to where have, They know where the gym is. They, they, the they know where it's at. In the lead up to the senior ball. You got their macros figured um, out, The too. last player for the national team, and it's somebody that my friend Kyle J. Krabs pointed out to me uh, during practice, Payne Durham, tight end Purdue. Tell me something good. You got anything? Got anything I, good? I thought he was a very competitive blocker. So yes! Yeah, that, that, was, that was the one thing that I, yes. I focused on with Payne uh, today, as I, I watched the he offense, wa- he walled some guys off. Yeah, he's he, he'll make your if you're an outside zone team, you'd love to have him. You're gonna capture the edge for yeah, you. Yeah, he's gonna win. Yep, yeah, you could be your, probably your tight end too, unless you have a lot of depth at wide receiver and you you don't need the volume running that way. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was excellent in the, in the blocking game. We will uh, switch over to the American team. Nathaniel Tank Dell, wide receiver from Houston. <laughs> He's giving the DBs fits, man. They, they don't. They don't want to match up with him. He's really, really Would explosive. You? Well, with you know that what's, kind of speed with that he, kind of quickness. He had some catches down the field where, like, he had to go up and get the ball too. Hey, no problem. Yeah, uh, he's been he's been electric this week for sure. Is it fair to say he's been the best receiver in that group? If that's the Jaden Reed group, I it's might not. push. Yeah, it's the other, okay. it's the other team. That, it's so the Rasheed Rice. So Rasheed Rice. Yeah, Mingo, Andre Yusovich, Yusevich. Wicks. Wicks. Hutchinson. Yeah, he's been the best of that group pretty safely. Right, and I, and I agree. Yeah. We talked with uh, one of the scouts on the Senior Bowl staff on Wednesday or on Tuesday night, Keith Sanchez and I, and he was so excited about Tank Dell and what he did on Tuesday, and he said how much he loved him when he watched him. Um, and he all he did was reaffirm how gifted he is. So... Now, I want to ask the both of you the same question, because we did video content on, on this on Tuesday night, and it's going to drop at some point in the next couple weeks. But we talked about Tank Dell. Where would you draft a player of this stature? What do you think the ceiling is? What do you think the floor is? Obviously, there's, there's a lot of deep-dive work to be done yeah. on like the actual game tape, but just off of what you know. Third round would be the highest. Chris, you, you know, you're not going to just give no, us no, another no. name. Gonna you're going to answer, answer the question. I was going to try to look something up, but I'll just now ask the question out loud to the group. Where did Wandell Robinson get drafted? He got, they, I think it was like 42? 40 yeah, 42? early 40s. If Wandell Robinson can go 42, right, then I, Tank Dell can go. No, no, and I do this too. Like two, if Tutu Atwell can be picked right. 51. Tank Dell's better than both no, no, of those players. That, that wasn't the question. The question was, where would you be comfortable drafting this I, player? The back half of the second round, the third round. Is where I would be that's comfortable such taking. An, because that's, I, that's if, such an out. You're, it's an exception to the rule. How many? How many? One hundred sixty-two. He showed up to an all-star event to weigh one sixty-two. Five zero eight three one sixty-three. Right. Tiny. So that that for me is just where I struggle with. Like in the history of the game, how many players that are sub one sixty-five have had meaningful, successful NFL careers? Not I'm not saying that Tank Dell is, is yeah. not super talented. He is. 
But at the end of the day, like, there's a physicality component in this game that I don't think you can just ignore. I, I get that, but I've seen Wondell Robinson and Tutu Atwell go... You don't make me be the wet blanket. No, no, no. You, but, but that it's your opinion. You can be the wet blanket. I'm just saying. I've seen. I don't want to be the wet blanket. I, I just want to have a complete, comprehensive conversation. I've seen contextual data that tells me that that type of player can go early enough in the draft, right. and so I can't ignore that. I can't ignore the fact that the, the Rams drafted Tutu Atwell where they did, and they continue to try to try to make him a thing at times. How's that going for him? It's not okay. Wanda was doing pretty Case good for point. the Giants. Got hurt. You're, Before he got you're hurt. falling into the case. Yeah. Case in point. Right. Tell me more about how Wondell Robinson was a big part of the offense for four games and they got hurt. <laughs> yeah, but you can't. I don't think you can lump that on a Tank Dell that just because he's the same size as those guys, he's going to get hurt the same way. No, not the same way. But it's it's again, it's, it goes back to historical data and, and betting on exceptions to the rule with significant investments. There's a value for yeah. for Tank Dell. There's no question. I would want him on my football team seven days a week and twice on Sundays. But it's it's the value proposition of where you would have to to pick him. To yeah. get him. I, I think what you have to be willing to live with there is that he's just not going to be a high-volume player, right? Yes. And, and, and I think when you come to grips to that, and not, not to make this a Bills conversation, but I think the Bills have done pretty well with Isaiah McKenzie as a small receiver. Get him going horizontal. Occasionally he has a game where they feature him where if, if there's a, a slot corner that's going to play a lot of man, they'll, they'll get him going a little bit more. And every time they try to put more on his plate, they end up going in a different right, direction. Right, And then it's like, oh, well, there's limitations here. Well, don't draft the guy expecting him to be wide receiver one or your wide receiver two. No, no. And, and, and then why would you draft him in yeah, the second round? Because he's a talented enough player to help your football team. Understood, but at what opportunity cost, right? I just watched the Chicago Bears trade a second-round pick for Chase Claypool. Also bad process. Again, I've got a ton of contextual data. I, I know that, that you me. have data that tells you that, but that's not, again, that's not the conversation we're having. What would you do? Chris Schubert, GM. Well, and he's answered it, and I just, I, I'm respectfully disagreeing with him. That's yeah. all. No, and, and I see your point. I just, the kid flashes when I watch him play, and it's, it's a hard thing to ignore. Right. I can't lump onto him the sins of everybody that came before him. I have to look at him individually. We talk about helmet scouting all the time. I can't group players with that kind of body type together. I have Isn't to, that the scouting process, though? But it is. But you, you have to add a little caveat of, I need to evaluate this guy this individually. Fun. This is fun. I like this. Right? Because you're not, you're not wrong. But I, I, I don't to, think I'm wrong either. I need to ask the question of, is this guy different than all of those other guys? And if you can come to the conclusion in your entire process that the answer to that question is yes, then I think you could take him in the back half of the second round, early third round. If the answer to that question is no, then yeah, you wouldn't take Tutu out on the second round with the way that he's played. Then, then he goes into the Cavante Turpin bucket as another player who, who has had a successful role, right? Like he's, he was an impactful player for Dallas this past year, mm -hmm. just in a very specific role. And what do you value the role as? Uh, Christopher Smith, safety from Georgia. Man, he's so competitive. Solid. Yeah. Solid. Really good man coverage reps. He flashes. I mean, team drills, really, he shines there where his processing ability and physicality instincts really show up. But um, he's a ball player, man. I like him. Solid is your word, Kyle? That's the word? Yes. Okay, I will move Hold us on. on. There, there may or may not be somebody who's reached out about potentially joining us here at The Outsiders. The Outsiders, Cedar Street Social Club, it's kind of a combo uh, venue that we find ourselves you know, in. Can, can we give him a little love here? Before I, I know I know we're about an 
what, are 52 we, minutes into the show? Is the, that The man hit it on the nose. We are 51-51 into the show. <laughs> it's the second time today he's done that to me. By the way, I don't have a timer up or anything. No, he does not. I, it's I just, just ballpark It's it. just all feel for the man. Um, so this is... I don't, I don't know how many sports cities can relate to this, but I at least know a couple can. A couple can. It's like a beer hall slash like an Xfinity Live, which I know is in Philadelphia. Uh, okay. They have one. They have something like it in Dallas in, the, in their sports complex by Jerry World. Uh, Joe, is, would Uptown qualify as having any? What, what's the thing in Uptown that's closed now? Uh, that's the epicenter. The epicenter. It's, it kind of gives that kind of vibe where, like, there's a beer hall area, and then you, you go to where you get food, and there's, like, six separate restaurants yeah, the that wings you can order from. from. And I got, a, I got the, uh, the wings. And, Joe, you got the taco yeah. uh, combo. Yeah. I like Is that why you're not eating any of our wings? I've, I've had several wings. There's been two that have led to... Shaming me on the podcast, so I'm very calculated with my decisions to, <laughs> How many to go back to the well here. here on the show. <laughs> so I've got another player, but it appears you want to finish the story. Well, no, I, I just wanted to make sure that the Outsiders here at the Cedar Street Social Club gets its proper due for, A, being great hosts for us. The food is great. The vibes are good. We're talking about the Senior Bowl. So if you are, if you are in town, we're back today. Tonight. Tonight. Excuse me, from what, 6 to 8 again? 6 is to that 8 the again. It's Joe, myself, and I believe Keith Sanchez will be here. What if I want to swing by? I will. What if I want to swing by? There's a fourth mic spot for you here on the mixer. Okay, great. So I'll plan on doing that, but I wanted to make you sure that the, the outsiders got their, their, to, to their proper due here well, he for their hospitality. Paid. I mean, he's, what, two in a row now? Right. So he, 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 he's, you know, he's going to lose it if he's not on the show tomorrow, and I think he would hate for that to happen. No, it's, this is, I'm not scheduled to be on the show. Right, which means your attendance streak would immediately evaporate. Oh, well, then in that case, I'll see you. See you. <laughs> you guys can kick rocks. Uh, Emil Ekior, next player for the Vibe Association. Center, interior offensive lineman from the University of Alabama. Impressive. I, I think him coming in and, and playing center has been a big deal. A, a guy who's played guard at Alabama. Um, coming in and playing center, showing that snap-to-step quickness. I like his size. I like his build. I thought he's really held his own, um, adapting to something new on his plate. Can I can I tell you something that I think? Oh, is, we we have a golden. There is retriever. a there is a dog yeah, here. A, it's a golden retriever. This puppy. is perfect because the last time we told a story about a dog in a uh, bar, a mobile, yeah. Chris said I would get up and leave immediately. So now I want to put it to the test. There is a golden retriever puppy. Yeah, that, that is ten feet away that oh just God. licked a girl on the face. Yeah, that we need we need to see the dog. You can see the dog. You're standing no, right now. Like, greet the dog. I mean, you guys can all take turns. I mean, I, I, I can hold down the fort here while you guys do it if you like, if you're really that excited. Can you commentate? Can we? Do you want to go say well, hi well, Let's wait. There's there's three other people here that have are excited to, to meet this dog. Oh, I'm very excited to meet the yeah, dog, too. I am, too, too but I, I feel we've got to wait our turn. Oh, give me the kisses. <laughs> oh, yeah. i got to tell you, this, this might be the... Whoa, whoa. The, what's the, her name? What's the, the social media lady's name? I don't remember. Oh, no. The dog's Chris, leave. Chris, get us back on track. And you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna miss an opportunity to to, to get to no, the dog. The, the okay, dog, the dog's not leaving. Go ahead. I Go will ahead. tell you this. Emil Ekior. Emil Ekior, right? He is in a group. He is practicing at the same position and working as the next guy up in reps with John Michael Schmitz. And you heard all the praise I heaped on that gentleman at the beginning of the show. That's a tough act to follow. And while I don't think he's completely living up to those expectations, 
Emil Ekior's holding his own against John Michael Schmitz. And by the way, what's he what's he playing? Playing center. Playing center. Yeah. That's a big new layer for Emil Ekior. And in the same way that for Michael Schmitz, I think he gives a little something for everybody. You've got Ekior playing center, being very clearly a big center, and being versatile enough to play guard. He's going to check boxes for a lot of teams. And I think that's really good for his value. Again, in an interior offensive line class that doesn't really have a lot of guys that are, are top 100 needle movers um, at that position group. Joe has not broken eye contact no, with the he, dog he, the entire he, time. He, I just want you to know, he heard nothing of what no. you said. Emil Akior, competition at center, big glare for him to do. I heard it all. Luke Musgrave. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> he... That snapped Joe back to complete attention yeah. to the podcast. <laughs> Joe's like, my guy can like, play. Wait, Luke Musgrave? Um, first of all, great podium session. Intense, right. intense, yeah. del- but deliberate. Yes. And, and a strong communicator. I was impressed with. He's, I, he's gone again. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go say hi to the suck. All right. So Kyle. Yeah, me too. So, okay, nope, so, you're on your own. So Kyle has also left. And so I will, I guess, do my best, my best attempt at live commentating Kyle and Joe walking over to this dog. So they've completely left. They've put down their microphones. The wings are still here. The coleslaw is still here. They have now approached the bar, and they are attempting they are, they are attempting to talk to the dog, and they've completely ditched me here. And they are just having a great time enjoying the fact that I am over here by myself hanging out with all of you while they try to talk to the dog. Now, I will tell you, they are in the middle of a conversation. They are, they are talking... But they have not seen the dog. Oh, they're coming back. They have not pet the dog. They have not spoken to the dog. They've done nothing with the dog. They have now. They are now returning. They are picking up their microphones. The dog's name is Peaches. Peaches is on the Pe- way. Oh, Peaches is on is. the way. Let's go. Oh, look at this. So, so they are now. They are now. I want to say hello to everybody who listens to Draft Dudes. Oh, Peaches oh. is sweet. <laughs> I will tell you, this is either going to be the most uh, highly listened to episode of the show, or everyone is going to completely just, it's going to just go off the cliff after this. Well, here we are. Just for the puppy. Just for the dog. There's no doubt. Everyone's (laughs) going to love Peaches. Peaches is a sweet girl. Hi, sweetheart. That's right. So are we. Great minds think alike. Chris over here, big supporter of dogs. He, He would love to pet Peaches. There you go, Chris. Thank you, guys. There we Thank go. You, gentlemen. Hello, Peaches. It has to be yes. immortalized. Hello. Um, Hello. Chris, Chris would Look tell at you. Chris with the high pitch to low. You know he's liking week. Peaches over Never there. Never mind the practices. Never mind the game on Saturday. It's going to be a great game. For sure. Peaches. Chris meeting Peaches at the Outsiders was the highlight of Chris Schubert's week. Locked in. What Guaranteed. a sweet puppy. Thank you so much. And what is your name? K-May. K-May? Thank you for bringing her on set as well so yeah, she could say It's an all-time podcast moment for us. Thank, thank you. Hall yes. of Fame. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Luke Musgrave, gentlemen, shall Luke we potentially Mus- talk about the best tight end here and the best tight end in the class? <laughs> you did him dirty, dude. <laughs> Chris Schumer would Are love, you kidding? love to bet your puppy. <laughs> he <can't. laughs> He's got a high-pitched solo. Hello. <laughs> we got pictures. Come on now. Yeah. Put that in the Discord right now. <laughs> All right. Look, Musgrave. Great yeah. tight end. So getting back on track with Luke if Musgrave. If there was ever an episode that describes draft dudes after dark, this is the show for you yes, people. Yes, I think we got to do this at all the events. One, did, of, one of the episodes of the week is like this? Yes. Okay, that's fine. Well, at the, at the, at the all-star events and all that? Yes. What are you looking for, Kyle? My phone. Well, that's a tough thing to, to lose. Um... 
So Musgrave, we, we were on Musgrave's podium session, and he talked, God bless him, he was fortunate enough that he deleted Twitter off his phone. He said that. He was asked about being in the running for a top tight end in this class, and he was like, well, you know, I, I, I really ignore the outside noise. I deleted Twitter off my phone about a year ago, so I, don't, I, I still have an account, but I don't really read it. So good, Luke, I'm so happy for you in that regard by itself. But he talked a lot about with questions that he was asked about him versus the other tight ends in the class or him relative to this draft class in general. He said, all, I'm, all I care about is my process, me getting better, improving myself, being the best version of myself that I can be, how the competitor I am, how much I love the game, how much the game means to me. Joe just dropped another wing. <laughs> but that, those were my observations with Luke Musgrave, in addition to him on the field being a big-time height-weight speed guy who is really explosive. He caught a couple balls today or yesterday on the back half of the ball and really I thought showcased his hand strength as well. Dude, I loved his comment where he talked about blocking at the podium session. How he and, thought at first he was going to just be a receiving tight end, but right. then he discovered the, the, the passion for blocking and, and defeating, dominating somebody in a different way. Right. It, it, was, it was like, hey, I like to beat a man on a route, but then I learned that I also love to beat a man on a block. And, that was and he, just, credited, he credited his coach. I, I wish I remember which coach it was, but he, he credited his position coach for instilling that passion and energy into him being a complete player at the tight end position. He's been just so impressive, man. You just notice him. He's very easy to spot when he's out there on the field. Um, he's The height, weight, speed, the hands are really good. I think the important thing with a guy that big at that position, right, I think back to last year with, with Trey McBride, and I'm not comparing the body types, but when, we, when you watch Trey McBride, you're like, Ugh, doesn't move as fast as I maybe thought he, he would. It's tight. With yeah. Luke Musgrave, you look at a guy that big and you go, ooh. Is he going to be able to move as fast as I think I need him to at the next level? And the boy, yes. does he. Boy, the does he. Yes. And I don't – listen, I was eating a wing and taking a sip of my drink, and I don't know if you mentioned it, but he, at his press availability, mentioned that he didn't think he was moving that fast. And yeah, he did. Like, he felt he was slow. It's like, well, dude, if you think that's, in months, if like you think that's slow, if that's slow, what's yeah. it going to look like when, he's, when he de defines he, himself as fast? He was 18 and a half miles per hour on the GPS, which was the Ooh. fastest tight end time. Yeah, he's going to be just fine. You, I and can, that's him when he's slow. Yeah. I can now understand why there are a lot of people that view him as one of the top guys in this Despite class. Despite like 42 career catches across three seasons? Uh, you're buying into the body yeah. type. You're buying into the, the, the traits. You're buying into the speed. You're buying into the fluidity with the way that he moves. The hands look really good. And the demeanor and professionalism in which with, he carries himself, The way himself that he carries too. himself, right? It, it, it is so obvious to see when he's out there. And that, I think, is one of my big takeaways overall. It's really obvious when you are able to watch a guy in person this close. When you're in the stadium, right? And great stadium down here in Mobile where we were able to watch these practices. But you can see all this stuff really up close. You can hear, you can feel the demeanor off of these players. And you can get a really good vibe from these guys. What was funny is watching team reps and Luke Musgraves on the field. The quarterback could have went to him every single time. I yeah. think sometimes they just chose to, like, go somewhere else. Try something new. Like, I, I, I was watching uh, Clayton Toon for a rep. And it's like, man, you have Musgrave open, and then you just threw the ball to Tank Dell because that was your, your teammate, where it's like, man, you could literally just feed the ball to Musgrave over and over again. He's available, he's open, and I would. He got some big-time movement, too, in the, run, like in the run games and during the team stuff, in full pads. 
He was moving bodies. He if, was collapsing the edge. If that guy with that body type and that movement skill can run block, he is going to make a difference for a football team. There's no question. I mean, it is without a doubt he is going to create a mismatch and a problem for opposing defenses. He's, he said this was the first time he'd missed a game since Pee Wee this season. Man, and he, he talked only played in two games. Wow, he missed yeah. a lot. And he talked about how hard it was, but it, he said the thing that he learned about it was how much he, his passion for the game of football was reinvigorated and reaffirmed by missing time because it killed him to be away from the game and, and being away from it, not competing with his teammates. And how hard that was for him was just that affirmation of him of how important the game was to him. And he specifically mentioned the Oregon game and talking about beating the Ducks and how how much that meant to him and his teammates and how hard they worked to get it, but how hard it was and how challenging it was for him that he wasn't able to be a part of it, but how proud he was of them. So how much it, it's like, we don't, we don't talk enough in general about the human elements of the game of football, right? Especially when it comes time to talk about the draft and decision makers. And it's easy to roll your eyes and say, okay, it's you're picking a person, not just a football player, but it's so relevant in environments like this to get why those decisions are made. And then you contrast that with players who don't check those boxes, even if they are supremely physically talented, and they go to the pros and they don't be, they don't fulfill their potential because they're not conditioned in the habits and the approach and the mentality to live up to what they're capable of doing. I I'll gonna, get off the soapbox. I'm going to go sorry. on record. I, I, I by just the got way. real, real hot on you that. You posted the picture in the Discord of, of me petting peaches. <laughs> Kyle called it an all-time dudes moment. I went on the record and saying this is probably an all-time dudes episode. Yes. This is easily top five episode. What we are accomplishing here over the course of now an hour five plus. I just hope that people will go into the dis Discord and see this dog and understand why everything happened the way that it did. I commentated over you two leaving the table and going over to try to pet peaches. I mean, this is, this is insane. Um, shall we potentially hear... Talk about the big NFL news that has happened over the last couple of days. Oh, did anything happen? I missed it. <laughs> Maybe we try to touch on, on that stuff here while, while we've still got some time. We've got the Sean Payton thing that we can get into. We can talk about D'Amico Ryans being the, the next Houston head coach. We can talk about Tom Brady officially retiring. we got all three of those Tom, stories. Tom who? I, I don't have a lot of battery life left on the computer that's recording the show, so just keep that in mind <laughs> with all of your thoughts. Tom Brady. Retired. Nah, I believe nah, nah, nah. I, I watched the video. I did too. Me I too. finally got myself. I, I didn't want to do it right away. I, I had a, a moment with myself. You also, you have not, you have not pivoted since he left New England to being pro Tom. I have. Oh moved, no! I have moved away from my Joe, Tom. Joe, you hatred. can either be pro Tom or pro Bill. Oh, I'm. <laughs> you can, I'm pro Bill. I'm loving what's going on. No, 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 who was more responsible for a 20-year New England Patriots dynasty, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Thomas. Patrick Edward Brady. So you are pro-Brady. No. I just acknowledge that he's the guy that won six Super Bowls there. Or, what, was it five? How many does he have? He's got I don't seven. Know. He has so seven total. So six, six with the Patriots. Six with the Patriots. Um, congratulations. You're the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Greatest player to ever play the game. You're the greatest player to ever play the game. I admire the career. I'm envious 
of come on, draft dudes. Let's talk about yeah. All every every here's every flower I can give you. Enjoy retirement. Enjoy okay. enjoy retirement's probably as as kind of a thing that you can muster up to say. So I'm very proud of you. And, and look, look, can I? I want to be clear. I don't like Tom Brady. I've never liked Tom Brady. He's caused a lot of misery on my behalf. We're never getting him on the show now. What? I would like the record to stay. I since Tom left New England, I respected Tom when he was in New England. As did I. But I, I have actively liked Tom in Tampa. Agreed. I am on the same wavelength with my friend. Yeah, because you know what? The Jets. Because and you, the, didn't, you didn't go three and three. No, the Jets and the Dolphins sometimes beat the Patriots. You're, sometimes. You're right, Joe. I'm not on a streak right now where I've lost right. to the Patriots now 14 that sucks straight times. You're right. You got me. Tom, Tom, Tom's been gone right. for half you of it. You got me. <laughs> well played. The last six. No, I don't know what to say about that. That's that's something you got to figure out. That's between you and the football gods, right. my guy. 30, 30, 33 and three. I mean, and it's not just that. It was the perpetual rebuilding. Can never commit Ch- to anything. Trying to close the gap with New England. Enough. Right. You're never and good And then it enough. doesn't work. And then you change and go back to square one. Right. And you did it six times when Tom was there. We all did. We all did this. Let's see. So Tom, Tom started 2001. Who was your head coach in 2001? Both of you. <laughs> Both of you. This is uh, our flowers I think to Tom. Probably Greg Williams. Really? I am pretty, Wade Phillips or something like that. 2001 for me was, I believe, Dave once. I believe Jimmy Johnson was gone by then, and it was Dave Wanstat was the head coach of the Miami. Don't look it up. I'm pretty sure he's tweeting. What a, no, he's looking it up. He wants to be right. I would love for him to showcase his knowledge of his favorite I'm, team. I, I could be wrong. I'm looking it up. I'm looking up who the Jets head coach was in 2001. I'm pretty sure I know who it was, but. Dave Wanstead. We have Greg Williams and who? I think it's Herm, but I'm looking it up. Herm? Oh, I don't. I think it's later. Go ahead, though. I, I, I'll tell you once the page loads. What was, what was Herm's all-time rant as the head coach of the Jets? Didn't he have one? You play to win the game. You play to win the game. Hello? Are you looking it up That's now, That's the too? greatest thing about sports. Joseph, how dare you? I want to make how, sure I'm right about how this. How dare you question me? Herman Edwards, the coach of the New York Jets, in 2001. That was his first season. Okay, wow. and I believe... Went 10-6 and six and lost in the wild card that year. Good job, Herm. Okay, so then your next head coach was who? Eric Mangini. Eric Mangini. Mike Malarkey. Mike Malarkey, holy cow, we got some stinkers here, don't hey, we? Hey, Mike Malarkey and called that really cool quarterback sneak with Drew Bledsoe where he didn't actually do the quarterback sneak, but then he threw it to Willis McGay <laughs> and he scored a touchdown. <laughs> that was a cool play. And then one stat got fired midseason, and I believe Jim Bates was the interim. And then after Jim Bates, we hired Nicholas Saban to be the head coach heard of, him. Heard of the Miami Dolphins. Heard and then it was... Rex Ryan. Uh, Dick Duran. Seven Cam, and nine. Cam again. Cameron. <laughs> Cam Cameron, the all-time legend. One and fifteen. One and done. Huh? And then it was Todd Bowles. Uh, Chan Gailey, baby. Let's go. Oh, Four thousand yards from my, Fitzmagic. My baby. King Chan Gailey. And then it was um Tony Sperano. And what's really alarming is I think both of you guys are in the 2010s, right? Yeah. I am up I'm to 2018. And, and my you skipped a guy? No. Edwards was the coach from 2001 to 2005. Mangini from 06 to 08. Ryan from 09 to 2014. 20, and then, Rex and, had six years? And then Bowles. Well, I yeah. guess he went 9 and 7 and went to two 
AFC Championship yeah, games, right? Time. Went to 9-7 and seven and 11-5 and five in his first two seasons and went to back-to-back AFC title games. And then the, the more his fingerprints got on the organization, the worse they got. He was on the uh, the Gruden and Tampa Bay plan, right? Yeah. Don't worry, Joe. We're going to get to him being your coach here in just oh, yeah. a second. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I still got one in between. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Tony Sperano was hired, hired in 2008. So we're on the same number of coaches. I'm back in 2008. I'm at 2010. You're, you're in 2010. You're in 2014. 18. 18. Like, Bowles got hired in 2015. Okay, now, Joe, here's where we're going to make up some ground because y'all had a y'all get weird, right? No, it's Bowles for four years. Okay, and then so, it's, so Todd. Todd. We're going to the next one? Yes. Doug Marone? Doug Marone. <laughs> and from Sperano, I went to Joe Philbin. Mm. And then after. And then from Todd, Todd Bowles, I went to Adam Gase. Adam Gase. Sexy Rexy. Let's go. Sexy Rexy. And I went from Joe Philbin to Adam Gates. <laughs> and then after Chris had Adam Gates. Robert Sala is my head Robert coach. Robert Sala. Sean McDermott. <laughs> Sean McDermott. And I went from Gates to Flores. From Flores to McDaniel. And then Flores to McDaniel. Wait, talk to me when two of your coaches resigned. <laughs> Mar- Marone, you're going to talk to no, me about Marone, a coach Marone resigning. walked away like a, after, a, said, good, after good. a good year. Yeah, 9-7. and seven. That's about as good as the Bills were. Uh, Marone and Mike Malarkey, they both resigned. They Ma- quit. I didn't know Malarkey resigned. Yes. This is real stuff that and happened. all of this happened in the span in which Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are just smooth cheese Wait, in New England. You're going to talk to me about coaches resigning? Bill Belichick took the New York Jets head coaching <laughs> job and then in his first you know, press conference resigned as the coach. You, know, you want to talk to me about coaches resigning? Like, we didn't have the greatest ho- coach, head coach in the history of college football? One of the greatest defensive masterminds in Nick Saban who goes up to the podium and says, you know, I don't know how else I to say again, this, guys, y'all. I, again. I, I don't know how else to say this, y'all. I'm not going to be the next coach of the Alabama football team. And then two days later, he's getting off a plane in Tuscaloosa kissing babies. And here we are in Mobile. And here we are in Mobile, fighting about it. All because all of this happened in the stretch in which Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were best buds winning six Super Bowls. Tom, there's your flowers here on Draft Dudes. (laughs) That's what you get We we made it about us. (laughs) But (laughs) but congratulations on retirement. What what do you – I mean, I'm tired of of there being, like, a new way to talk about how good Tom Brady is. You know what I mean? We just made one, though. (laughs) <laughs> right, but like, how many stats are going? to... Oh, Tom Brady has uh, eighty-five playoff touchdowns. The next highest is twenty-five. Like, well, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, my guy played in three playoff games a year for right. fifteen years. The guy's got got played three extra seasons in the postseason, maybe right. longer. Right. Congratulations. So that's Tom, Chris. How much battery power do we have got left? Thirty-eight percent. Oh, dude, we're we're killing it. We're teetering we're here. We're teetering here. We, we want to talk about the Broncos trading a first-round pick. And a future, it was a future pick swap, wasn't it? It's a, it's a one and a, okay, so they get Sean Payton. Right, that's, that's and critical. And a three, that's, that's critical a critical part of what we're discussing. And a three. A three next year. From the Saints in next 24. Year, in 24. And they give up, is it pick 29 this year? 29, which is 29. from Miami via San Francisco. And a second round pick in 24. I have a question for both of you. Yeah. I have an answer. More of a statement, but I think I can get it to a question at the end. You're Sean Payton. You have a pretty good coaching legacy right now. Yeah. You're a Super Bowl champion. 
You you got Drew Brees there to a Super Bowl. You're one of the innovative offensive minds of, of your generation of coaches. Why on earth would you come out of retirement when you have a nice TV job at Fox and you are probably a year away from being able to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and get all the money in the world thrown at you? Because Mike McCarthy's calling plays for the offense in Dallas next season, and we know how that's going to go. You are one year away from having that. You could go back to TV. Instead, you go to Denver. The only way that makes sense is you must think beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you must have 110% confidence that you have the right game plan and the right ability to fix Russell Wilson. No, I don't don't, don't think that's true. Yeah, I don't either. I think they're going to give him the freaking bag. But, 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 uh, but for a guy who is trying to put together and already has, I think, a Hall of Fame legacy as a head coach, do right. you think he wants to tarnish that by going to Denver and watching that offense? He's not thing, going to. The man. thing that he's known for implode if it doesn't work? He's That's not, not how going. coaches. I mean, guys that coach are coaches, man. Like they're, they, but, but you're telling me Sean Payton couldn't wait another season and get and get a better job? Oh, are we sure Dallas is a better job with Jerry Jones as your owner slash GM? But he knows, but he knows Jerry. Jerry's going to give him the runway, going to give him the wiggle room, just because you got the Walmart The money. Denver Broncos have been one of the most historically sound teams. I know lately they haven't been very good, but they've been one of the most like consistently winning franchises out there. I think the thing that surprises me most about Peyton going to Denver is that there's a general manager here in George Peyton who maybe doesn't have the sweat equity as far as being like a highly established, like long tenured guy to really maintain the kind of clout and not have Sean Payton like influence personnel. He's going to push him out the door. Sure. But you would have thought there's some of these situations in which that position is vacant or much less established than a, a highly respected personnel guy in George Payton, where like I would have thought Sean would have taken a spot where that door was already wide open for him to walk in and have those football operations dynamics in place. Joe, I'm going to ask you this question honestly, right? And I want an honest answer from you. I know no other way to be. I need you to go back in the time machine to two months ago. You don't think it would have made more sense for Sean Payton to take, to, to push for and to take the Arizona coaching job where they didn't have a general manager. He could oversee the player personnel department. He could get the bag and he'd have Kyler Murray as his quarterback. Overtaking the Denver job, what he, which will Michael he Bidwell's did. your owner. You have you going to Denver. It's the richest ownership group in the entire league. They're going to give you everything that you want. Everything. Versus kind Bidwell. Of, versus Bidwell. I, or I Jerry. I, I think the only I, to me the only way that you take that job is you think you have the game plan to fix Russell Wilson. Or you don't. And you know, we all know, because he told us, Sean Payton loves Caleb Williams. You can't get out of the Russ contract until 2026. Who cares? That doesn't stop me from getting Caleb Williams next year. I, I don't know, Are you man. suggesting the Broncos are going to purposely be bad? I mean, Sean Payton said that. He said it out loud. He said it out loud. T- to me, Wants an investigation, competition committee. To me, Integrity he, of the game. <laughs> to me, if that's the game plan... I don't understand why you went to Denver. You right. could, no, if you, you want, could, if, if you want if you Caleb Williams, right, just wait you a year, wait until next year, and then wait and figure the, out who has the number one right, overall and pick. And then if they fire like, their no, coach, no, you just you just go there and you draft Caleb Williams. Coach okay, you. I lost in all of this is I think that the Denver Broncos made a mistake by firing Vic Fangio. Maybe so, but my defensive coordinator. Uh, easy, be careful. Maybe, <laughs> easy, maybe, pump possibly. The brake, pump the brakes on that. 
Maybe. I've said this a million times. You don't have to trade assets to get a head coach. You don't have that's to. A, Joe, I think that's a totally separate conversation between Sean Payton's uh, mindset. The compensation is a totally different conversation. Right, but I, agree I think that's with what's you. interesting. I agree with you. There is no way that Sean Payton is the thing that makes your team better. You got a lot of problems, I think. Right, and, and you know, it'd be really nice to help fix those problems. Some draft capital, which you've those given away assets. the last two seasons to get Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. That's a hard pill to swallow. I think that's the hardest pill to swallow. And so is not, the opportunity cost to get Russ with the way he performed, and now to bring in a head coach that is going to be now operating in, with a, a team that had no premium capital to bring in young town for the last two years. Sean Payton's been one of the best head coaches during our lifetime. But he's not immune to... These hot honey wings are hot, man. He's not immune Dude, to I've some, only been some, able to have one. I mean, this guy went 7-9 three years in a row with Drew Brees as his quarterback. All right, so you're telling me that 7-9 and nine isn't right. potentially on the horizon for them next season? It absolutely is. Pull up a chair, guys. Yeah, we're, Make we're, it, it, we're, we're, we're just finishing this we're up. We're talking Sean Payton to the Broncos from all the different angles, one of them being Sean P- Payton's mindset and why this job right now. And the other being the Denver side of things in that I don't think you have to give up a first and a second-round pick to get a head coach. No, not, not especially when by trading for Sean Payton, you've eliminated yourself what we would consider premium draft capital, right? You don't have that anymore. And you've got holes to fill. It's not like you, they're just Sean Payton. Sean Payton's going to fix Russell Wilson. Boom, away you go. They've got problems. They do. They've got wide receivers who can't stay healthy. I think they need some help on the offensive line. Javante Williams isn't coming back to what, the middle of the season at best? Well, we know they have a defense. They... I think they need help on their offensive line. And they need to be healthy at their skill positions. So if you're sympathetic towards Denver having the kind of season that they did, your argument is based off, we lost Tim Patrick, we lost Javante Williams. What else? Russ was bad. Russ was bad. You had bad situational football and a head coach who I think was over his skis. Sorry, Chris. I know that's my your, offensive, your offensive coordinator. My offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know, man. I can't look at look at this and give it a, a, a seal of approval. I don't like it. I just don't. From the Denver side or the Sean Payton From side? the Denver side. Or both. I mean, I don't love it for Sean. I think it's an uphill battle for him to get that he's, team. Into- he's going to get the runway, though. You would certainly think so, Yes. I, ba- based off the contract you're going to give him and the fact that you traded these picks for him? You kind of have to, right? He has to be there for right. a while. So I think for Sean, it's about let me prove my greatness by rebuilding another thing. I'm going to ask something that I think could blow could, the lid off Yeah, thing. it could. We've okay, got 32% cool. of battery left. Are we sure? Could I oh. get another one? Thank I'm you. Good. Thank you. Are we sure Russell Wilson is like incapable of being a good starting quarterback? No. There is a path in which Russell Wilson, with a better coach that can install a a, a more consistent system, because I think that was what plagued them last year is that they weren't on the same page. So if him and if if Sean and Russ can get on the same page, and you certainly think that this type of move would get 
a phone call to Russell Wilson that says, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. Your thoughts. And he gave it an endorsement, right? And so if those two sides can work together, yes, can Russ be better? Absolutely. But again, Joe, is it a guarantee that the Denver Broncos defense is going to play as well as it did a year ago? Is it a guarantee that they're going to be able to fix all the other things that have plagued this roster? So yeah, you may be able to fix the Russell Wilson side of the equation, but the other side of the equation isn't going to be constant. Here, here's what I think Sean can give Denver that I think they desperately need. They've been in the middle of an ownership transition, right? You've got John Elway, who's still a part of the puzzle, but you bring in George Payton. Then you bring in Nathaniel Hackett with presumably eyes on one veteran quarterback. You end up pivoting, going a different direction. It certainly feels like we're rowing in a lot of different directions. Sean coming in... It's the meme, look at me, I'm the captain now. Right. Right, and I think they, they desperately need that when you consider kind of the vacuum, the power vacuum with the ownership group, and now that that's been settled and they've made a big decision, I think that's really powerful for Denver. I think that's the best, the best thing about this for the Broncos, even in the midst of all of the things that I don't really like about the conditions in which it took to get Sean Payton in the building. D'Amico Ryans is the only other piece of news that we have not touched on here on the show, and we've, we've got 20-something percent of battery left to talk about it. So He clearly wanted to go to Houston. <laughs> right. Everything negatively that I just said about Denver, I, I think it's the inverse. I love this move for Houston in a lot of different ways. I think this is the, the perfect person from a culture standpoint to build something up. I think we, the three of us would all agree, to the detriment of a Joe and I bet, the Houston Texans are two years away from being two years away. Okay, so I just need him to get in the top two and within some, the next three seasons. Three in the next seasons, three seasons, it, it was you five, need a top two finish right, in the division. It was five years in your zero for two so far. All right, so you've got three years Thank to be you. able to figure that out. We're chugging along. You're, you're chugging along. Well, I think they're two years away from being two years away, and I think you guys would agree with that. And so I think the important thing is, is over the first couple of years here, D'Amico Ryan's gets to set a culture and to build that team the way that he wants to, and then at that point, I think you could start to take a quarterback. Now, I think the most important thing that they, he has to get right. He has to hire an experienced offensive coordinator. I think that's a must. And one that's going to be there. One that's going to be there. I, I, I hate Chan Gailey. No, I hate this assumption. Uh, well, somebody <laughs> like that. Maybe not Chan, but somebody like that. I yeah. hate this assumption that just because he coached in San Francisco under Kyle Shanahan, that, oh, we're going to go to another team and we're going to take the, the up-and-coming offensive coordinator or pass game coordinator or somebody that's been working they don't have in, one now. in the Shanahan system. <laughs> They've all been hired. I mean, right. eventually you're going to run out. Guess what? Didn't work for Robert Sala in New York. Right? That didn't work. And I think there is an experienced person on that staff that worked there. Pep. Anthony Lynn coached in San wow. Francisco oh, this past season. That's a good call, Chris. I, I got to give credit to Jamie Eisner. He was the first person. I like oh, you that. didn't have to do that. He pointed it out to me. Thank you very that much. That Anthony Lynn was on the staff. Former head coach, offensive mind. He could take that side of the ball away from you. Just you can, don't give him the t the challenges and the timeout. Like that was Anthony's sure. big thing was and clock, that, clock and, management. You know, like, did you hear Anthony Lynn's comments about going from? The Chargers yeah. to the 49ers and the differences in, like, in L.A., we didn't get everything that we needed to come to San Francisco and, like, have every resource imaginable to be successful. And, and so can you imagine how great it would be? Right, Anthony Lynn loves to run the ball. Well, they got a pretty good running back well, there it, in Houston. They're going to have to run the ball. I'm sorry. We've seen Anthony Lynn do good things with the Jets running the football. And, and we Buffalo, line. too. Yeah. They want to play defense. That's going to be the backbone, right? We're going to run the ball. We're going to play defense. We're not going to score. We're not going to be high-powered offense right away. I think the more fascinating thing about the D'Amico Ryan's hire is what that means for that picket, too. 
you cannot take a quarterback. You can't. You're not ready. I hear you, but oh, Chris Schubert wants to talk about a team picking you, at number you, two overall, not, not being gonna, ready to take. You a are not going to sit in that chair right now and tell me that the Houston Texans are in a similar situation to take a quarterback than when the Jets took Zach Wilson. You are not going to sit there and do that to me. Because I'm sipping year, my beverage. Because that's a it. year later, everybody talked about how they had a playoff roster. And if they just would have gotten the quarterback situation right, they'd be in the playoffs. Yeah, Houston, because they because Houston they knocked is, the following draft class Houston, out of the park. But Houston is not two draft classes away from being in that spot. They've got a long road. They've, all, they've had the draft picks though too. Like let's well, like, uh, yeah, Houston's had you, assets. You don't know. You don't know what this year's draft. This draft class had some meaningful players, and then they have other players like Mechie, who hopefully and uh, fingers crossed we see Mechie sooner rather than later. Obviously, he's had a really unfortunate personal health well, situation. Well, picking Stingley over Sauce is not looking too good right looks now. Looks great. Well, looks fantastic. I, yeah, for you. it yeah, does. It's having a great time with it. Got to be honest with you. Chris Sergio. Did you have Stingley or Sauce higher? You sure? So, I mean, you... I, I didn't. I, 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 look at, I look at this Houston job, and I, and I think they got the right guy. Give him the runway. They gave him a six-year contract, so he's certainly going to get the opportunity. Uh-huh. Get the OC they, higher right. They had to give a long-term... Fully guaranteed contract to whoever they well, hired, right? Because right. nobody, nobody gonna, else in their right mind is going to come here with the BS that they've been pulling the last two and, years. And so give him the runway. Don't take a quarterback. Use your first two picks. Address other needs that you have. And then next year take the quarterback. Or the year after that take the quarterback. Do if, you really think? If you're going to do that, then you got to trade down out of two. Because you sure. got to give yourself the flexibility okay. and the ammunition to make moves and go get one when you find one and you feel like you're ready. But do we think the expectation is for D'Amico Ryans to have the Houston Texans in a playoff spot next year? No, he can take the time. So he doesn't need to take the quarterback. Do the Houston Texans, predictively, do you predict that the Houston Texans will pick a quarterback with their first pick? Yes. You got a yes? No. Yes. No. I got a head nod over yes. here. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I, I'm, on, I'm on team yes. no. I will, I will. I say yes. I think they're going to do it. Okay. I, I don't think they do. Bill, Bill, I think Bill Barbet. Bill Barbet. Bill Barbet. Done. Oh, the oh, first oh, Bill Barbet of 2022. Look at a box of Bill Barbets. Chris is going to send me a box. Uh, I'll take it's uh, Wait, the... It's 2023, right? That is correct. Yes, yeah, you know me. Draft you right it's actually, it's actually February. It's Groundhog's Day, Good Lord. <laughs> Groundhog's Day. Joe doesn't so know what the hell's so going on. So it's February. Are you done? I mean, we're done here, right? With the podcast, at least, portion of the... Uh, yeah, let, we could go ahead and wrap. I, we've only got like 18% of the battery, so we might as well before uh, anything I, I've actually happens. thoroughly enjoyed your uh, battery percentage updates every 2% for the last 20 minutes. It has so not been 2%. It's a real shame we're going to put a bow on that, but that is going to do it for us. We're here at the Outsiders here in Mobile, Alabama, uh, Cedar Creek Social Club. They've been awesome. We had a couple of friends that swung by and joined us. We're going to go talk some ball with them, uh, but we have one more day of practice today. This podcast is the Thursday podcast. We're staying for the game. We're doing the tailgate with... Um, a bunch of friends on Saturday before the game, which we're really excited to stay tell you for the more game. about. Stay for the game. Senior Bowl week ends on Saturday, not on Thursday. Right. Thanks to our friends over at Ben Online for their continued support of the show as well. We hope you all come back. See us again tomorrow for our Thursday practice recap. Kyle Krabs, Chris Schubert, Joe Marino, Draft Dude signing off. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.